Welcome to the Voice Tech Podcast, episode number two. First of all, thank you to everyone who listened to episode number one. I really appreciate all the tweets and the emails and all the feedback that you guys have provided has been especially helpful to me. Uh, I've tried to incorporate your comments into today's show, and I hope you'll continue to send me your feedback to help shape the podcast. Before we get started, I'd like to try something new and host a little competition. I've got three Kindle copies of a great book to give away, and to enter, all you have to do is send a tweet that will help me grow my audience a bit. The book is entitled Bot Business 101, How to Start, Run, and Grow Your Bot or AI Business. It was published in 2017 and is written by Ekim Kaya, the founder of Botego, which is a tech company in New York that develops intelligent virtual agents. Uh, Ekim is a most viewed writer in the chatbots and conversational agents category on Quora and Medium. And the book has great reviews on Amazon. So I'm sure it will be really useful to many of you who are thinking of starting or are currently running a business in the voice space. So to win a copy, all you have to do is send a tweet with a link to voicetechpodcast.com and include the hashtag voicetechpodcast, all one word. And you can tweet as many times as you like, of course. After a week, I'll select three winners at random and contact you via Twitter. Okay, so with that, let's get on with the show. My guest today is John Fitzpatrick, VP of Product and Engineering at Voices. From their offices in Dublin, Edinburgh, and Boston in the United States, Voices helps companies create custom voice AI solutions that understand the vocabulary of their products and services that they offer. We cover the major components of the Voices system, the technologies and tools the team used to build it, and some of the challenges that they faced. We'll also discuss how Voices protects a user's privacy and the implications of the forthcoming GDPR regulation. So with that, I bring you John Fitzpatrick. So I'm here with uh, John Fitzpatrick. Uh, he's the VP of Product and Engineering at Voices. Uh, John has a PhD in Computer Networking and Telecommunications from University College Dublin. And in uh, his previous roles, he's been a technical director and a startup founder uh, responsible for the technology strategy and uh, managing teams uh, of developers. Uh, hello, John. Hey, Carl. Uh, thanks, Mill, for having me uh, on the podcast. Uh, so podcast number two, very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really glad to have you on. Um, so could you start by just telling us a bit about, uh, about yourself, um, your background, and uh, what led you to, to where you are now? Um, yeah, sure. So um, I guess I've actually had a pretty varied career to date. Um, so I was always primarily focused on you know, new technology areas, solving kind of really hard problems. Um, and so kind of voice AI was, was quite a natural fit for me. Um, so I, I studied, as you, as you kind of mentioned at the start, uh, I did my undergrad in both the electronics and telecommunications engineering in uh, Dublin City University. Um, I'm kind of always with these courses, I always gravitated towards um, uh, the telecommunications side of things, in particular radio, digital signal processing and, and voice. Um, so kind of after finishing my undergrad, then I went on um, and I was luckily uh, I was lucky to receive a scholarship to fund a PhD in computer science. Um, and so I did that at University College Dublin. And there I focused on uh, voice over IP. Um, so I did a lot of work around uh, wireless networks and the challenges that it entails when transmitting voice over those uh, those networks, um, particularly things like varying quality, looking at the digital signal processing that needs to be done, dynamic codec adaptation and things like that. Um, 
so yeah, so after after graduating then from uh, my PhD, um, I went on, I did some postdoctoral work. So I spent some time as a visiting researcher at the University of Oklahoma, um, working on transport layer protocols, uh, for primarily for satellite communications, actually. Um, I then worked on, uh, at GCD, I worked on a, a number of different large European research projects. Um, and then after that, I uh, was awarded a Marie Curie Research Fellowship um, for some more kind of post postdoctoral research work. Um, and as part of that, I worked at NEC Labs in Germany, um, primarily there working on femtocell and Wi-Fi mesh network technologies, um, and in particular how voice quality is affected again by, by those networks. Um, once I finished up with that, I actually then moved back to Ireland, um, and I started working on a startup idea based on my PhD work. Um, so that startup was called uh, Forkstream, and we were building standardized solutions to allow mobile devices to seamlessly and automatically move between Wi-Fi and cellular networks. Um, and so we were quite early stage. We had some, we'd raised some seed funding as part of that, um, but we actually ended up getting acquired quite early and um, pre-revenue by a large Irish telecommunications company. Fantastic. And um, called OpenNet. Um, yeah, so it was, that was a really exciting time, obviously, for us. And that, was that the first uh, startup you'd worked in? That was the first startup I worked in. Yeah, yeah. Not a bad introduction to the the startup world. Uh, it's not. No, we were very yeah. We were very early stage. We were only we were a team of you know four or five people at that time when we got acquired. So it was good. Um. So I actually, as part of that acquisition, obviously, then I left and I joined OpenNet, and in there, then I was working on in the CTO office, running running the labs teams, and there, then I became responsible for kind of very early stage new product development. Um, so running a number of different engineering teams, working on both the research aspects of, of new technologies and then really kind of building out that, the first versions of those products before they got handed over to engineering. Um, so I worked there for a few years and then I actually left uh, OpenNet and I joined um, another um, startup company called uh, Log Entries. Um, and I went in there then to, to run the engineering teams. Um, we were then actually acquired by um, a cybersecurity company, a Boston-based cybersecurity company called uh, Rapid7. Um, and I worked then there for a few years um, and then actually left then to, to come on board with Voices. I see. What led you to uh, take a job at uh, Log Entries, which was uh, uh, not directly linked to the telecommunications and uh, uh, voice over IP background that you'd had previous? Yeah, so the work that Log Entry was doing was uh, was really exciting. They were quite a well-known uh, startup um, in Dublin at the time, um, and they were really just solving kind of really really hard problems. Um, and so it was a great opportunity for me to go in, kind of learn a new area, um, and then also apply a lot of the, the skills I'd learned from doing my own startup um, and from running the teams then within OpenNet, um, and to kind of take what I'd learned there and apply them within within Log Entries. Okay, so John, could you tell us a bit about what Voices does, um, the value proposition, who your target customer is? Uh, and the problem it solves for them. So Voices is uh, the complete voice AI company. Um, so originally it was founded by uh, Peter Cahill, who's our founder and CEO. Um, and at the time then, Peter had been academic staff within UCD working on um, you know, voice technology for the last 15 years. Um, so he then left UCD um, and started uh, Voices. Um, he was joined then by um, our other co-founder um, and our exec chair, Noel Ruban. Um, and that's when Voices kind of really started to, to scale. So I joined the team about one and a half years ago, um, and at the time we were six people. So we're, we're now uh, 34 people, um, so growing obviously very, very quickly. We're headquartered in Dublin, um, where we run, we have our, our product engineering and our modeling teams. 
Um, we also then have a modeling team in Edinburgh, um, and that's headed by uh, Ian Hodson, who was Google's former head of text-to-speech. And then all, our, all of our uh, go-to-market activities then are out of Boston. So Voices Commerce provides three core pieces of functionality. Um, so that is search. So that enables a customer to do any type of a search. So either find a specific product through voice or even just describe the types of products um, that they're looking for. Um, yeah, so then we have what we call refinement. So that enables a customer to follow on that initial search um, to further refine their search or contradict previous criteria they'd given and really hone in on that perfect product. Oh, I see. So it's more like a conversation with the, the, the app or the website that you can say, no, not that one, the other one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so as part of that, what we provide is a, very much a multimodal experience um, because customers don't want to just shop um, you know, by talking to a speaker device, because, you know, it, that's fine for things like grocery shopping where you're ordering, you know, milk and bread and the same things week in, week out. But for most cases, they're, they're, they're more considered purchases. Um, and you want to see the products that you're searching for. You want to see the results that are coming back. And it, it's very much a multimodal browsing experience. Um, and so what we find is, as with most interfaces, customers will use what, what what's most convenient for them. So, because this is integrated into the existing applications and websites of customers, um, the end user will use touch when it's convenient and use voice when it's convenient. And so a big part of our product is that multimodal experience. I see. So it's there to augment what's already available, not to replace it. Exactly. And what we can do is we can take into account where the customer is in their journey. So a very simple example of that um, might be the customer opens the application and using touch they navigate into a particular product category. Maybe they even navigate into, you know, a particular product. But then they may tap the microphone icon and say, you know, actually only show me ones like this in red, for example. Because we know where they are in, their, in the journey um, and we have context for where they are in the application, we take that into account when we process their query and we send them back, the, the client application, a data structure, which essentially updates the application state based on what the user asked for. So it's very, very powerful. Got it. So it's very personalized and it's, uh, yeah, it's an intelligent system that's working on behalf of the customer really to get them the right results. Exactly. So the whole goal of it is to enable the customer to, to find the perfect product and get it added to the cart um, in as seamless a fashion as, as possible. Okay, John, could you describe how the product is built, um, the major components and how they fit together? Sure. Um, so there's obviously a ton of different components as part of our platform, um, both during you know the training phase and runtime. Um, it's probably best covered actually by describing the, the journey of a, of a user query um, as a as it goes through our system. Um, so the first thing that happens obviously is the customer will have integrated our APIs um, onto our, our SDKs onto their application. Um, user will tap the microphone icon. We start streaming audio up into our system. And the first thing that happens then is um, it goes through a DSP process. Um, then it goes through a voice activity detection uh, model. And that will decide if the user has started speaking, if they stopped speaking, and so on. And that just gives this very natural experience that as soon as the customer stops speaking, the results they see get updated. Um, once it goes through uh, voice activity detection, it goes through acoustic modeling and language modeling. And so what they essentially do is our, all of our acoustic models translate essentially the user audio 
into uh, the phonetics and the phenomes. And from there, then it goes into the language modeling um, phase. And that's really, it's the language model really um, that is, is customer specific. And that's the part that's really trained off the customer's product catalog. And what that'll do is, um, typically what a language model will do is we'll do speech to text. Um, and we sometimes do that, but we can also do what we call speech to meaning. So embedded within the language model, we may have other information. So we may know things like, you know, this is a product category um, these are particular keywords. Um, these are associated with these particular products and so on. Um, and then from the language modeling, um, it will go out into intent classifiers. So based on the way the user speaks, what they've said, we understand, you know, is the user, is it a new search? Is the user trying to add something into the cart? Are they refining an existing search and so on? Um, it then goes through things like taggers and a, a, a good few other models that are used to improve accuracy. Um, and at that point, then, it goes into one of our downstream microservices. Um, and that's where all of the business logic um, exists that translate that user query into a data structure that's sent back to the client application that's directly compatible with their existing search. So the microservice is the interface between you and the customer? Um, well, kind of, yeah. So the, the microservice is what handles constructing that data structure that's specific to that customer. I see, before it's made available through the, the API. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I see, I've got it. So, so there's a lot of moving parts. Um, that sounds like it, it would take a long time to process. I mean, is, uh, is performance an issue something, something you've had to deal with? No, so what we do actually is we do what we call on-the-fly decoding. Um, and so that means that as the user um, query is coming to our system, it's streamed up in real time. So this, there's no offline processing here. Um, so as it's being streamed up to our system, we, you know, after we get the first few frames, we immediately start processing the query. Wow, so it's working on what you're saying before you finish saying it. Absolutely, yeah. So we don't have to wait until the user completely stops speaking to handle the whole the whole query. We can actually do start doing uh, pre-processing of it. Mm, um, kind of like uh, Google is predicting what you're writing in the uh, in the search bar before you finish the sentence. Exactly, yeah. It just In this case, so we're, we're not continually sending those updates back. We do wait until the user has completely stopped speaking until we send back, um, you know, the data structure. Um, but we are processing it on the fly within our system. But the on the on the fly processing is happening on the device, or it's being sent back and being processed in the cloud. It's being processed in our platform in the cloud. Yeah. So the the audio is being streamed from the customer's device up into our system, and it's then processed in, on the fly in real time. I'm afraid that's the end of this episode's free preview. That's right, full episodes of the Voice Tech Podcast are only available for a limited period of time after their release. The full one-hour episode is available to Voice Tech Pro subscribers, along with all the other episodes we've produced. Go to voicetechpodcast.com pro, where for just a few dollars a month, you can become a Voice Tech Pro and receive a range of exclusive benefits. Voice Tech Pros get more content each month, you unlock access to the entire catalogue of full-length episodes, including this episode. You can enjoy extra content, such as exclusive interviews just for VoiceTech Pro subscribers, plus bonus questions in the main interviews. And you also get to hear episodes sooner than everyone else, weeks ahead of their public release, in fact. VoiceTech Pros also get a special role in our online community. 
high quality episodes with no ads and studio quality sound, and a chance to support the show and ensure we keep on producing more great episodes like this one. So please go to voicetechpodcast.com slash pro and become a Voice Tech Pro today.